Welcome to the Deep Bass Podcast, where we take a hard look at the element that makes or breaks games, the music. I'm Peter Thomas, and I'm joined by my host, Cody Haltham, and we're happy to have you along with us on this journey through Resident Evil 4. Good evening, Cody. You sprung that on me. (laughs) (laughs) I know I didn't want to tell you that I was going to do that, but I mean, it's it's Halloween. I had to I had to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was going to like I know I knew what I was going to say. I was going to say happy Halloween, stranger. Um, (laughs) But you just I hate you sometimes. You know, that was great. I'm well, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I can't believe we're almost through October. It's like, how? How is this year going by so fast? I'll blow your mind more by two things, two important milestones. Can you believe, A, that this is episode 10 for us, and B, that the PlayStation 2 is 20 years old today? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's just wrap (laughs) this up here. I'm going to go. I need to go find out where I can buy like a walker and put the tennis balls on it and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I got one in the closet. I'll bring it to you at some point. Oh, thanks man. My back's getting, my back's getting achy and the knees are shaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2005. That thing. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. No, it was uh, and, uh, 2000, 2000, not 2005. Right. PlayStation 2 is is one of the platforms that uh, Resident Evil 4 came out on, and uh, I think that's a, a good segue into it. So Resident Evil 4, it's a widely talked about game. Yeah, I love this game. I adore this game. Yeah, I think a lot of people echo your sentiments on that. It's It's definitely a fan favorite for sure. Yeah, and this is unique, which is what we're going to get into. But like for me, this was my quote unquote, my Resident Evil, just because I couldn't get into the older ones because of the stupid camera. Yeah, definitely. We'll jump into the the history here and talk a bit about that. And then I want to hear more about your first experience with this game and why you make it yours. Resident Evil 4 is a third person shooter game developed by Capcom Production Studio 4 and published by Capcom, surprisingly. (laughs) This is the sixth major installment in the Resident Evil series, and it was originally released for the GameCube in 2005. Resident Evil 4 was announced as a GameCube exclusive as part of the Capcom 5, but was eventually ported to numerous formats, becoming a cross-platform hit and selling over 10 million copies across all platforms. It garnered acclaim for its narrative, gameplay, voice acting, and characters, and is often named one of the best video games, winning multiple Game of the Year awards in 2005. It influenced the evolution of survival horror and third-person genres, popularizing the -the over-the-shoulder third-person view. The game would eventually be ported to the PlayStation 2, PC, Wii, iOS devices, an HD remake that came out on the PlayStation Network, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox Live games on demand. While it did see an Android port, it was actually only available on Samsung devices through the Samsung Galaxy App Store. And I do have one other piece I wanted to add. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Capcom 5, but I have heard of this deal that Nintendo and Capcom kind of secured together. But it was, I think it was misunderstood or, or marketed incorrectly, but the Capcom 5 was actually an exclusive deal or was supposed to be an exclusive deal between Nintendo and Capcom to 
to help the struggling system get off the ground. So the GameCube wasn't actually doing all that well. And Nintendo was trying to come up with strategies to help it sell. The five titles in the Capcom 5 were supposed to be Piano 3, Beautiful Joe, Killer 7, Dead Phoenix, and uh, naturally Resident Evil 4. But of those, the only one that was actually a console exclusive was Piano 3, which never actually came out for any other systems, likely because it was a commercial failure. Beautiful Joe, Resident Evil 4, and Killer 7 did end up coming out on multiple platforms and sold much better on all the others. And Dead Phoenix actually ended up getting canceled altogether, which if you didn't know what that was, that's probably why. Yeah, Beautiful Joe, other than uh, Resident Evil, obviously, is the only one on that list I even remember. But no, I didn't know that was a deal or that was a thing back in the day. Yeah. So when I was reading up on it, you know, I had heard of it as that, like it was supposed to be this exclusive partnership for these five games. But as I read the details, apparently either Nintendo, somebody in Nintendo's marketing screwed it up or something, but it was never actually meant to be that at all. I I guess Capcom only promised them one game, but the rest were going to be multi-plat, you know, from the start. I do think they ended up getting Resident Evil 4 exclusively, at least for like a year or something like that, because it Mm -hmm. took them a while for the PS2 to to actually get Resident Evil 4. If I remember correctly, it took uh, at least a year, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's what I was going to say. I remember it was probably like a year or two later because I was like, I remember thinking as a kid or young adult at this point where I was like, is that even relevant? If you wanted it, why didn't you just have it on your GameCube, you know, me being naive, having both systems at the time, I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm covered no matter where this game comes out. So it never really mattered to me. So I didn't really think about it like that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've played quite a few out of those. I think actually the only one I didn't play was the, when I was reading through it, it was the one that got canceled eventually. So I did play the other ones. I actually still own all of beautiful Joe and I don't own killer seven anymore or Piano 3, but I've played both of them and owned them at one point in time. Piano 3 is as bad as it sounds and why it did poorly. Killer 7 ended up being like a cult classic, so most people who have played that game love it. It's, uh, it's kind of like it plays like a first-person rail shooter, but it was quirky and weird, and just it was one of those games that was kind of right up my alley, so I, I dug games like that, but I digress. I don't want to uh, soapbox on all these other Capcom games. Tell me a little bit about why this is your Resident Evil 4 or your Resident Evil game, rather. I remember when the remaster or actually that's a remake when they remade Resident Evil on GameCube. And I was stoked because at that point in time, I had never had a PlayStation. So I was like, ah, this classic horror game, I'm finally going to be able to play. And it looks amazing i got that thing and i hate the cameras those cameras in that game like if you it's a completely different style of play because as you know and most of our listeners know the camera is like stuck in a corner of a room and you're moving your character around it which really really threw me off so i played the game but i never beat it and i still own it to this day it's in my closet right now when I heard that they were changing the camera to the third person, I was like, oh, I might be able to get behind this. No pun intended. I was super excited for it to come out. Sure enough, just that shift of where you're viewing things from, 
made me be able to actually play this game all the way through. So this is the first Resident Evil that I ever beat personally. And I did not get the collector's edition back when I worked at GameStop. And I deeply, deeply regretted it because I really, really would have loved to have, like as an adult now, have that chainsaw controller that came with it. Yeah, I was listening as you explained kind of what your history was with this game. And and it's very similar to mine. When you mentioned the chainsaw controller, I, I actually vaguely remember that it was it was a really cool looking controller, if I remember correctly. So the GameCube controller itself was a bizarre creature in and of itself, but that just kind of took it to a whole new level. For me, I, I was over a friend's house. It was actually like a friend of a friend or something like that and saw them playing this game. And I'm like, oh, what's this? They told me it was a Resident Evil game. And I'm like, really? Because that's not how I know Resident Evil games mm-hmm. to be. I know them to be, like you said, the static camera that shifts in the room, the tank controls and things like that. That's what I remember. So seeing this, I was like, oh, that's different. I decided to kind of jump out on a ledge and pick it up. Like you, it was the first Resident Evil game that I was able to complete. Some people can argue that the survival piece of it was toned down for the new style of gameplay but i mean i just picked this game up not too long ago for the switch and i am still running out of bullets i'm still running out of health so i really don't think they took much out of it at all i think they made the game more approachable for a lot of people and still kept all the things that really make it terrifying Uh, what difficulty were you on i'm just curious just normal i usually i usually don't plan anything harder than that what is the the next level is like professional or something like that i haven't touched the game in god so long probably since i played it back as a kid was probably the last time i played it so i couldn't tell you honestly i typically play all of my games on you know the default difficulty i don't like easy modes typically because they tend to be too easy and then i don't like the harder ones because Specifically with this game, if I remember correctly, there's actually there's two difficulties higher. So the next one up, it makes you very vulnerable, but not not that bad. And then I'm pretty sure in professional, you die in one hit. If somebody touches you in any way, shape or form, I'm pretty sure you you go down. So that to me is yeah, that to me is not fun. No, it's not to me either. I typically am like you. I will play on just normal settings. I will bump it up if it's a franchise I know really, really well. But other than that, no, I just play the static, whatever normal is. I'm kind of like you. I do remember it being difficult, not hard, but challenging. I was still running out of resources just like you. I'm wondering, like hearing you say that is interesting because... I always assumed that it was just a me problem because I'm quote unquote new to this series and don't really know what to expect from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think these games were always intended to be ones that were like save your ammunition and save your resources for big bosses or or areas that you're stuck in that you have to shoot enemies in. 
a lot of the areas you can run past people and get to where you're going. But I was just never really good at that. I mean, even I've seen some very good players of like the original Resident Evil where they have the timing down for when a zombie tries to grab you. And I've just never been able to do that. They can like line themselves up on one side of the room and then run across, you know, the hall to the other side and make it without being grabbed. And I'm just, I'm not that person. I will instantly get grabbed. Gamers play games, play how you want to play. I've never understood kind of like the perfection runs of things. That's just not my cup of tea, but hey, as long as you're playing games and having fun, you do you. But no, I'm a lot more like you. I have the worst luck as a gamer, basically, when I play games. If someone's going to grab me by one pixel, they're going to be able to do it. It'll happen every time. Right. What do you say we get started into the music here? You want to kick us off with your number five? Do we really have to? I mean, we can back out now, Peter. No, we've got to. Did you not enjoy this soundtrack? I hated this. Wow. I I actually hated it. (laughs) No kidding. I enjoyed it. There was definitely some repetition in there because of the nature of the game, which I, I understood. But where the tracks pick up in certain spots, I think that it does really well. And I actually thought you'd be a huge fan because this is like, where where they pick up is typically the boss battles and you are the boss battle king. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, of course I am. No, I couldn't stand this. At one point I was on I was starting up. I want to say track number six. I was sitting there listening and I'm like, man, this track's really going on a long time. I look back down at my laptop. I'm on track 13 and they all just like <laughs> blended together for the most part. And I was yeah. like, oh. Well, shit, let me go back and actually look at the screen because I can't tell when one song's ending and one song's beginning because they were all pretty similar. I will say that there are some good songs on here, but this is the first time that for me personally, I cannot recommend this soundtrack to somebody to go out and listen to. Like, listen to our podcast and listen to what samplings (laughs) we have for you here. But Save yourself the nightmare that I went through and don't go through and listen to that thing again. Thanks for telling everybody not to listen to the podcast. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. We'll just skip this episode and just I move told on. people <laughs> to listen to the podcast, just not the soundtrack. No, I, I get it. And I agree. I mean, this this is one of the soundtracks that you cannot take it out of context because it is very much atmospheric and meant for you to experience while you're playing the game. So I would agree. If you could cut out some of the filler tracks that are just for exploration and things like that, yeah, I'd I'd probably recommend it. But because of all of those being in it, I probably wouldn't either. So I'm with you. Well, my number five is End of Umbrella. This is the first track that you hear in the game. This plays as Leon sets the stage for us and is summing up what the last or what the first three games were and the basically the fall of umbrella this does a great job of setting the tone of a resident evil game it's dark foreboding without ever being straight up sinister
I wanted to hear your thoughts on this track because I feel like for me, with all of the intro songs that are out there, that there are much better ones than this one. And this was kind of a good example of one of those ones where it's like, if you take it out of context, it doesn't really say much for anything. It doesn't tell me if you didn't know this was a Resident Evil game, you may pick up on the fact that this probably belongs to a horror game, period. But mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't tell me about Resident Evil. It doesn't tell me about the franchise or anything like that, personally. No, and what I was saying is, like, this is what's happening in the game. This track is, is just setting the tone. You know, from an audio yeah. standpoint, you are now in the headspace of, all right, we're killing zombies. But it is pretty generic it's the first horror tone that you hear in the game that's not from like the main menu and so that's why it's on the list yeah i mean ultimately i like hearing about what makes these tracks get onto your list when i listened to it and was writing counter notes though my final bit on it was more like for all of the tracks that are there especially like i said the the boss fights and things like that. I was honestly surprised this one made your list. Yeah, and I can understand why. In my defense, it, in my opinion, there's not much to pick from here. There's two versions of one of my picks, and I almost put them both just because I thought it was a better track than this. But no, this was just a nice little, all right, this is what the game is because. As I was listening to the soundtrack, I was like, wait, I'm not registering what's happening, like where this might fit in the game. So I actually booted up a video of someone playing it. And that's when I was like, oh, this is what's happening in the game. I didn't actually remember that. I just saw it like three hours ago when I was doing my notes. Right. All right, man. What is your number five? My number five is El Gigante. Is there any track on this list that is more grand than El Gigante? I obviously recently became a dad, so I have to throw in a pun here, but I wanted to start off big (laughs) by putting this as the first song I covered on my list. While it may be fifth, there is a lot of honor of making this list at all. Resident Evil 4 really changed the scale of things quite a bit from the first three games. Before this, you didn't fight anything that was larger than maybe like double a normal human size. And I'm looking at you for that one, Nemesis. Resident Evil 4, however, blows that out of the water by offering boss fights that are so large, Leon has to legitimately run up them to hit their weak points. El Gigante itself is terrifying too because it swings around giant trees and destroys small shacks just with its raw strength alone. Pulling back and just looking at the track itself, I think that it matches the aesthetic perfectly. The drums in the background are really deep and heavy kind of like his footsteps. And as the track goes on, the tempo starts to really pick up to further increase that stress feeling. The chaotic strings and the distorted horns just add kind of icing to the cake for creating one of one of the best boss themes I've ever heard in a horror game.
really thought about the scale of this fight meaning anything, you know, because I mean, I couldn't get into Resident Evil one. So I didn't really know that this was as big of a deal as what you're telling me. To me, this track is oddly tribal in the game. And correct me if I'm wrong. This takes place after you left the village and you are in the area that has like all the scaffolding and like the hut and the pylons. Is that right? Yeah, it's still considered technically the village area. If you look at the map, that's what it signifies it as. But yes, it's not the physical village anymore. Correct. Okay, then, yeah, this track matches that aesthetic really, really well. And they did a really good job with that for this. Yeah, you actually fight the first one. So to talk about how much these these are, I guess, impactful, uh, you fight the first one inside of an arena which kudos to you if you rescued the dog because he's a huge help. But then you fight two more later on in the game. So yeah, these, these guys are, like I said, no pun intended, but they're a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. All right, sir, let's hear your number four. I don't even know how to say it. Is it Krauser? I think that yes, Krauser. All right, That's what I'm going with. I have no idea where this takes place in the game. If you know, let me know later. But this track is straight out of an action movie, and I absolutely adore it. It really sounds like a chase is happening, and we're running and trying to escape. To me, it's the violin and the horns that make this track really stand out against the rest. This track is interesting because it wouldn't be right for any of the other Resident Evil games, but because of the new perspective and more action-oriented gameplay, this is a great fit for this game. first thought when I listened to this track was exactly what you put was this was the first track of yours that I heard that was like, Oh, this sounds like it belongs in a movie, not a video game. So yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. Seeing this on your list brought back so many bad memories for me. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it would. I do remember this particular area and fight quite a bit. So Krauser is a, fucking psychopath this fight it just proves it i think this is one of the longest fights in the game this part of the song actually kicks in during the last part of it after he does like this super saiyan power-up move and his left arm is ripped apart and turns into a giant scythe knowing that this song adds the perfect level of tension to an otherwise insane fight It's worth noting that this particular part of the battle takes place on a tiny platform high up on a tower. There's not a whole lot of space to run from this guy. So you've got to make your shots count and try not to get hit in the process. But like I said, a complete and utter lunatic. 
yeah, I didn't remember any of that. Even you telling me about it, I still don't have any idea what the hell you're talking about. One of the things that was interesting, so I mentioned that this fight was long. You have to find these three pieces of a some sort of like icon or something like that because Ashley has been taken away and you need to go get her. And she's locked in a room that needs like three pieces. You go to get the one piece and he is shooting at you and sending out these little minions. Then you go and get another piece and then he's shooting at you some more with some different armaments and sending out more little minions. And then of course the third piece is on him. So you've got to fight him and beat him in order to get that last piece. Can we talk about what a pain in the ass Ashley is in this? Because yes, yes, we can. (laughs) That was the most annoying, just the Leon every, you know, time you ran three feet away from her. Oh my God. It was annoying as sin. Last question for you. Who's more annoying, Ashley or Navi from Ocarina of Time? Ooh, Ashley. (laughs) I figured it would be Ashley. At least, at least Navi's useful, right? She provides you tips and (laughs) she does. Now, I mean, ooh, an argument could be made either way. In Ashley's defense, we don't have to deal with her the whole game the way we do with Navi. Navi gets annoying from start to finish, but early game, she's useful. Ashley is useless the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. All right, buddy, what ooh, what number are we on? Number four? Four. All right, yeah, what's your number four? Number four for me is Infiltration. This is my first of two songs that happen in the castle area, which is the location that takes place right after the village. And I, it's because for me, it's one of my favorite areas in the game. The closed quarters and enclosed spaces are a huge departure from the village area, which has kind of like the more open and sprawling maps that allow you the freedom of running around and avoiding places. One of the things I really love about good game design is when they gradually introduce new elements to challenge the player as you go along. So because RE4 was so new as far as the control schemes and how everything was, They provide you with these giant open maps to get you comfortable with moving around and being able to avoid the ganados and everything like that as you as you move along. So you get to the second area and they're like, "Okay, we're going to kind of take the training wheels off here. You're still going to be controlling the exact same way, but we're now going to put you in enclosed spaces. So you got to think a little more carefully about how you how you play this. That's kind of why I like this track so much. It's called infiltration, I imagine, because it's when you first gain access to the inner areas of the castle, which the rooms start looking more like actual rooms of like a mansion of some sort. Even though this game is far from a stealth game, this track makes you feel like you're slipping in kind of undetected from Salazar. And I also get very strong 007 vibes when I hear it. You know, it's those chimes of the triangle or whatever the heck that instrument is. But I enjoy that that piece of it very much. Where the other tracks feel more grand and loud, this sort of scales everything back, reflecting that you're no longer in these huge open spaces to run around to safety anymore. And you have to make smarter decisions, both with your actions and ammo moving forward.
Yeah, I can see why you get some 007 vibes from this track. Hell, I'd also see it say Metal Gear as well. If I remember correctly, this is like a mid to end game track. Is that right? Almost dead middle, actually. So it's the start of, I think there's three, maybe four major areas. So I think it, I think it's three. It's village, then it's castle, castle. and then it's island. So this is the start of the second major area. I'd say you'd, you'd play through about a third of the game at this point. Yeah, I mean, there is something sneaky to this track, which is where those 007 vibes are coming from, but also almost metallic, which is interesting. But being in a castle, you got the chains, you got the gates. It makes sense. I only remember the village and the castle, and then I thought the game ended. That's my aging memory back in our walkers here. Yeah, I couldn't place this track, but I couldn't place most of these, honestly. This is just going straight off the soundtrack. It's a decent track. It's not bad. Sure. Why don't you tell me your number three? My number three is Salazar. This sounds like a boss fight, but I could be wrong. Like most of the songs on this soundtrack, it starts with a lot of heavy brass and violin. However, this track included an organ, which I absolutely loved. The organ made this go from being another Resident Evil boss fight track to something out of Castlevania. While this won't make many other people's lists, I really appreciate it, and it's a solid number three for me. I take it back. Salazar is the madman, not Krauser. Okay. <laughs> First of all, in this fight, and this is before this song actually takes place, you're chased by a massive stone construct that looks exactly like Salazar, oh, which is terrifying in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. It's like this ugly abomination thing, and it, it reminds me of kind of like a nutcracker, but just made out of stone. And trying to step on you the entire time. Yeah, um, I remember that. Then once you get past that part, there's like a little bit of gameplay in between. And then you finally run into Salazar to actually fight him. And that's when this song comes in. But what makes him more nuts than Krauser is the fact that he stands there and he gets absorbed by this massive vagina plant. <laughs> where he be basically becomes like a living clit. Okay. <laughs> and I just, I just have one question. Why Capcom? <laughs> Why have you done this? It's Capcom. I mean, what did you expect? Okay. So they've never been this weird with a Resident Evil game. So I'm, I'm a little taken aback by this, but nevertheless, we'll continue. So you add in the fact that when you shoot this human clitoris, he says that tickled. 
<laughs> and you added this in and it's just become some 50 shades of fucked up. Um, <laughs> all that being said, this track is, it really captures the essence of this fight. I particularly love the organ, just like you did, and the choir vocals that made Salazar seem like he was a god, which I believe in the game he he feels like he is. You know, he's injecting people with this virus, the Ouroboros, and it's creating kind of like this army of drones that believe in him and what he does. So it was an excellent track for the kind of person that he was. And I really enjoyed it. I can tell. I, and I, wow, I cannot believe I forgot all of that. Me, of all people, I forgot the giant vagina plant. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. just the way it looked for me. But I mean, if you, if you take a snap back and kind of just look at it as a whole, it, it literally looks like a, a vagina with a uterus attached to it. So I'm digging out the GameCube tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. What's your number three? My number three is Cold Sweat. This song plays during a part of the game where if you're starting with a fresh save is incredibly hard with the weapons that you have. And I say that because for those who don't know, you can actually continue after you've beaten the game. You can continue with your save using all of the upgrades and things like that that you have. And you can eventually just max out your weapons. But on a fresh save, that's this area is ridiculously hard. If you weren't good with your ammo, this area may be even harder for you. It, it just all depends, honestly. So the water room is where this takes place. And it's the room inside of the castle that has two large pools on either side of the, the like main hall. The area is really big, but it's filled with a whole bunch of those like cultist ganados that really want you dead. Ashley is with you during this part, which makes this even more stressful because, as mentioned before, she's utterly useless. So you finish the first part of the stage and you think you're, you're done, but then you realize that the area that you end up in has these two switches that you can only reach with Ashley. You have to basically boost her up on your shoulders and have her crank these two cranks in order to get you guys out of there. And that's when his music kicks in. As Ashley is rotating those cranks, you're down at the bottom trying to fend for yourself and keep the Ganados from eating you at the bottom. All the while, if you look up where she is and as she's cranking, there are Ganados up there trying to pick her up and take her away into the secret dark room that nobody knows about, both of which obviously will cause a game over. So the heartbeat in this song fits really well with how stressful this track is. I mean, I feel like my heart is pounding anytime I get here. But you add in those frenzied strings, which I know there's a name for it whenever you just kind of like draw the bow back and forth rapidly across the strings. But I can't for the life of me remember what that's called. It just makes you feel uneasy and unsettled. There's a lot of enemies to deal with from beginning to end. And they put Ashley and Leon out of reach of one another which plays into this theme that I'm actually going to talk about in my next pick of not being in control.
here's a question I have for you. Why wouldn't Leon give Ashley a gun to protect herself? She probably, mm, I mean, it would make sense to do so. I mean, she has a flashlight and Lord knows where she's been keeping that flashlight this whole game. You know, it would have been useful at some point, but no, it's only in the section where you get to play as her. I don't Boost know why. Up on your shoulders and toss a gun up. It's exactly, super <laughs> you know, someone's coming behind it, shoot them in the head, you know, or at least torso. I mean, that's easy enough to hit. I totally missed out on that being a heartbeat, by the way. I mean, I didn't listen through headphones, though, so that might be why. I don't remember this moment in the game. Shocker. I don't remember most of this game, um, but I do remember the rotating of the cranks. But that could be anywhere in the castle, honestly. Hearing you describe kind of like what is going on in the track as you're listening to it makes me appreciate this track a whole lot more. Again, this is kind of a rough run to just listen to without context for what's going on in the game. So I'm glad you actually know most of this game. Yeah, I felt like it was important for me to to be able to kind of recall those areas because it is truly you can't just play a track and be like, hey, where'd this come from? And expect anybody, even I mean, even the veteran players of this game who have beaten it hundreds of times, I'm sure would have a hard time pegging specific areas. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But for me, it was it was important to make sure that I had done at least a, a run fairly recently to be able to talk about these areas so that everybody kind of has a context of what's going on. Well, we appreciate you doing that. And I certainly do, because I don't remember shit from this, apparently. No worries, man. Tell us what your number two is. My number two is Assignment, Ada, and Roll Tarde. I feel like I'm cheating with this one. This takes place during the end credits of the Assignment, Ada minigame, which is only unlocked once you beat the main game. Honestly, this fits because Ada is a spy in the Resident Evil series. This track is just piano, bass, and percussion, but it's done so well. I love how light it is, and honestly, it makes you picture people dancing when you hear it. It's clean, it has some espionage vibes to it, but it's the jazz and the swing that makes it such a contrast from the rest of the soundtrack, and that's why it's on my list. funny how much our notes line up and i think that really speaks volumes for the people who compose these tracks i feel like if two people who listen in two separate rooms write up two separate notes and they kind of pull it together and you come up with the same general results you should pat yourself on the back because you nailed exactly what you were looking for but i joked and i was like you really toned it back after your last two, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I needed some variation in there, and this fit well. 
Yeah. I adore the Jazzy Ada tracks a ton. And I really wanted to put these on my list, but I didn't feel like they belonged solely for what you were talking about, that they were post-game content, that stuff that you don't access until after you've beaten the game already. Ada's missions play a lot differently than Leon's do in general. I wanted to kind of stick with the main, the main meat and potatoes of what Resident Evil 4 was. And that is by no means a insult or taking away from this track at all because it's absolutely beautifully done. And I would listen to this any day of the week and not even for this particular project or anything like that. I would put this on just to, it, it reminds me of sitting in a bar with an old fashioned and just enjoying the music. Ah, oh, remember bars? Those were fun. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. I mean, even before COVID and, and quarantining. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean, because honestly, I almost didn't put this on my list because I wanted to be more purist about it, kind of like the way you did. The only reason why I felt OK doing it is because it is an official track listing on the soundtrack. And that's really the only reason why, because I mean, this is an optional track. You know, like we were saying, you don't have to ever experience this track to play Resident Evil. You know, you just play the game straight. You're never going to hear this. And if you don't want to touch this mini game, which I don't think I ever did. I, I did a little bit, but I never got into it, got into it. You would never know this existed. So I do feel a little bit bad about that. But honestly, it was just too good to not include somewhere in this conversation. Yeah, definitely. And I don't want you to feel bad because there's never any set rules when we do this or anything like that. It was just more of like an arbitrary thing I set for myself where I was like, well, I want to just capture RE4. But it was hard because this track really is a glorious track and I can't wait for people to, to hear it. Oh, no. And I, I knew you weren't doing that. And trust me, I'm full blown cheating when we get to Halo 3. I'm letting you know that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. What is number two? My number two is Del Lago. I wrote down, hey, look, Cody, another boss theme for you. Hooray! <laughs> Do you remember how I said earlier that RE4 really changes the scale of things from yes. you know RE1 through 3? This is the first time they demonstrate that to you. It's amazing to think about, but this is actually the first major boss battle. The Del Lago fight was the first battle that really made me feel like I didn't have any control over what was happening. For those of you who have not played this game or are not sure what this is, imagine yourself in a dinky little wooden motorboat in the middle of a giant lake. The anchor from the boat is caught in the teeth of this massive mid-sized whale of a fish with dual sets of teeth that are covered in blood. Instead of being able to use your guns and things to shoot at this, you have to hurl these harpoons at it. If you don't, you risk being eaten. You have minimal control over your boat, if any, really. I think there's just a little bit of left and right movement. You're at the mercy of the movements of the fish. Oh, and never mind the moments when it goes so deep under the water that the lake goes dead quiet. There's no ripples and you have to figure out where this thing's going to pop up in three seconds or you end up getting eaten. If you listen closely to this track, it's got a very typical underwater lurking theme to it. So think Jaws. 
those heavy undertones create a lot of tension and pressure as you work to keep Leon alive. I have a fun fact here, but if you go to the dock, shoot out into the lake a few times, and you happen to hit Del Lago, or maybe it's just like a timed event thing while he's swimming, then he will come up and eat you right off the dock, no questions asked, and your game is over. Thank God you picked something from earlier in the game. I remember this because this guy <laughs> was such a pain in the ass. I think it really, honestly, the fight wasn't that bad. It was just the controls, like you mentioned, that made it so difficult because you're right. You can't really control the boat. And what's annoying about that is that on the screen in big pulp letters, it'll say control, you know, left or right or whatever the hell. You're supposed to be doing it, but it does basically nothing, you know, and then like you're supposed to be controlling that while aiming the harpoon. It was so frustrating. Like that was a dumb major boss fight to put so early in. I think they were trying to show off all the differences. Like I said, this is the first time you see a boss that's this massive. This is the first time you use a weapon that's not in your inventory. There's a lot of first. I actually think it's the first time you fight a boss that's not on the ground, honestly. Yeah, that might check out. I mean, you would know better than me. Also, I'd like your note about the Jaws theme in this, because you can definitely get those vibes. The same with the 007 reference that we made not too long ago. Yeah, I definitely picked up on what you were saying there, because you can really tell. Yeah, it felt a lot like that. Like they took some references there from Jaws, which is funny because I actually just watched Jaws again not too long ago. So we are here at our number ones. I say that, but this time we don't have the same tracks, but we do have very close relational tracks, we'll say. So we're going to go ahead and start with yours first. So tell me what your number one is. My number one is the safe thing. This is my instant number one. I needed this track, honestly. It's beautiful. I love the guitar in it in particular. In Resident Evil games, there are only a handful of truly safe spaces where you can't be attacked at all. The safe rooms are those locations. It's a place of peace where you can go through and manage your inventory and save your game. When you play Resident Evil, you are constantly holding your breath, trying to make it to the next save room. Every time you enter this room, you instantly do a deep exhale and wipe the sweat off your palms. Yes, I know it's just the same few measures over and over again. However, it's a welcome change compared to the rest of the soundtrack. 
number ones go together like peanut butter and jelly. We'll get to why. Yeah, you can't have one without the other, literally and figuratively. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this song does loop pretty quickly. There's only it's only like on a, you know, five or eight second loop. But you can't actually blame it or you for that because you aren't really intended to sit on this screen for very long. If we're being completely fair, this is the actual music you hear when you choose to interact with the typewriter and put down your save. So you, you're in there for what, all of 15, 20 seconds in order to save and then move on with your day. But with that being said, I will move on to my number one, which was Serenity. And I think this was what you intended to actually pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go ahead and then I'll tell the people what happened. Okay. Yeah, sure. The first word that came to mind when I heard this was peace. This is a word you do not hear too often in a Resident Evil game. One of the things I absolutely adore about the developers of Resident Evil is that this is your moment of safety that they offer you intermittently throughout the experience, however short-lived it may be. When this music starts to play, it relaxes you, calms your nerves, and lets you know, hey, you've made it this far to another checkpoint. Go ahead and breathe again. And as far as I know, I could be mistaken on some of the later games, but they do not add any enemies or anything to these rooms so when you hear it it gives you that sense of comfort to know like okay i'm i'm good for right now this song is interesting because i feel like it plays on your psyche a bit too because you know the journey's not over and you have to intentionally leave that room that safe space of of yours but just for a moment you can't let your guard down and i think those highs and lows are what really add to how this game makes you feel as you play. I do have an interesting note. I have no idea what any of these instruments are. I listened as carefully as I could to try and figure it out, but there's a lot of kind of like distortion and warping that comes about. Nothing really comes to mind as to what this may be. about as scientific as I got on it. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I'll take this. I'm an idiot. Background notes for everyone. Peter and I discussed doing this as our kind of Halloween episode last month. At that point where we have brought it up, I knew that the safe room was going to be my number one. It just, it made sense. I, it, 
it just had to be number one for me. I enjoy the music and what it represents, it being that peaceful kind of thing. So, as you've heard throughout mine and Peter's conversation, I don't remember jack shit from this game. <laughs> so when I'm looking at the list, I see the song that says save theme. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's where the safe room is. So that has to be the track. No, it's not. And I'm a moron. Serenity is what I meant to put at my number one. And that's what I'm referencing most in my notes. But I just end up talking about the stupid safe screen instead. <laughs> I know I laughed when I saw yours and I'm like, I think I know what was intended to happen here. And then I got my tracks down and I saw your counter notes and I'm like, yep, that's exactly yep. <laughs> what was supposed to happen here. But um, to be fair, I did leave it for a reason. I left my notes so we would have a little bit of story behind it as well. But I mean, these tracks do go hand in hand because when you are listening to Serenity in the safe room, that's your only opportunity to save your game. So you do end up hearing this. It's just, you know, like we said, for like 20 seconds at most. Yeah. And the two of them really are both. They both hit the same vibes. They make sure that you feel very comforted and very secure in where you're at and knowing that you're not going to run into any Morganados, at least at the moment. Yeah. And that was the main thing, because, I mean, the game can be tense. You can only save at certain points and it's always a run i remember back then it's like all right can i beat this level before i have to go to school and turn this thing off can i make it to the next safe room or not those were young debates i was having but no i adore both of these tracks obviously yeah and i have to note that especially now with the way that i play games i'm so glad they took out save ribbons um, oh. because yeah, there was a time when saves were limited. So you could only save if you had a specific item with you. And if you ran out of that item, you could not save anymore. Given that I play games in short bursts now, I need unlimited saves. Resident Evil 4 still counts how many times you save. I don't know if it applies at the end of the game as like a grade or anything like that. I feel like it does seems to strike a memory that it does, but Yes, you can save as many times as you'd like. The save ribbon or the ink ribbons were a cause of such anxiety when I tried playing Resident Evil, the original, just because, I mean, there are a limited number of them in the game. You can only save so many times, which seems like such a weird choice, but it does lend to that survival horror aspect of what the original Resident Evil was. Thank God that's not a thing in modern times. But back in the day, that really did add so much tension to that game that was unneeded. Don't forget, not only was it a limited item, but it took up a slot in your inventory, which was valuable, especially if you played as Chris as opposed to Jill. Chris only had six inventory slots, and one of those slots was your knife i think and the other one was if you had a save ribbon those and that's four inventory slots to try and run through the game yeah and figure out what you were gonna do i mean it's it was a very big source of anxiety for for players yeah thank god those days are done and behind us because that's something I don't want to deal with ever again, even for like a nostalgia trip. Just nope, I'm not about that. 
I'm right there with you. We've gone through yet another episode 10 in the buckets, man. We did it. Yay, episode 10. It's still wild to me. I mean, 10 episodes in, we've covered a, a pretty vast variety of games, I think. A little less love on the Xbox side, but, you know, we, we did get a game in there, so not too shabby. And I'm happy with the episodes we've put out. Yeah, this has been great. And I'll be honest, I'm shocked that you didn't hate all of my list this time. As I was going through, I was like, all right, he's going to crap on this. Like, at least my bottom three. <laughs> No, I dig this game's boss themes. I think that's really where it shines. If this game soundtrack could be stripped down to just boss themes, I would tell everybody to buy it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, it's not. And it's like 62 tracks long, where most of them are just horror movie noises. (laughs) Right. Any final thoughts you want to have on Resident Evil 4 before we get into our question? I don't think so. I think we've covered it pretty well between our history and the game. Oh, we were talking about the uh, Chainsaw controller and just the GameCube controller in general came up. Where did you fall on that? Do you love the controller or hate it? I adored it. Okay, you're on the right side of history. We can be friends still. (laughs) That's right. I do remember you saying you wanted to talk about the controller through this, but the GameCube controller to me, it was odd to look at. It was a very strange looking controller, but when you picked it up and put it in your hands, it felt so natural. Oh, Every, yes. Everything felt like it needed to be where it belonged. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that controller. You know, even like some of the ones we have, I would take a GameCube controller over a uh, PlayStation controller, honestly. Yeah, I would too. I think that the GameCube controller feels the best of maybe any controller I've ever held. A close second, and I'm a little biased, would probably be the SNES controller. But the reason I don't put that as high anymore is because as I've gotten older, my hands have gotten bigger and I now overhold that controller. There's, There's too much room for me to like, hold out in the the middle of space basically there's just air (laughs) no no i get that you see uh the only one that would probably beat it for me would be uh the 360 controller yeah i did like xbox's controllers a lot believe it or not i'm not a huge fan of the dual shocks they work well but they're not that comfortable to hold for long periods of time just didn't really do much for me no, me either. And we got a new one. So we'll see what this new haptic feedback is going to be all about and that kind of thing whenever it gets here. The, the new Batarang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I want to hold the Batarang so badly just once in my life. I will pay any yeah. amount of money and wear gloves. I just want to hold that thing just to know what it felt like. For sure. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and kick off our question of the episode, which is a fitting one for the season. Even though by the time this episode comes out, we'll be, you know, a day shy of Halloween and most people will be wrapping up and getting ready for kind of the warm and comfy seasons coming on here. And I mean that by the holidays that are coming up in America and not the weather, because for most people, it's going to be cold as hell. (laughs) Our question of the episode is going to be, what is your go to game to play during this spooky season? 
mine is weird, but it's going to make sense really quickly. It's Halo. I love shooters. You know that. The audience has heard that, but they don't know exactly how much. And Halo is near and dear to my heart for many reasons. So I'm going to say Halo 2 and Halo 3, because these are the only two games that I did this with. It was a tradition between me and my friends that every Halloween, we would get together for what we called Halloween, where we would have a tournament, basically, in multiplayer, like a big LAN party. So if there's one game that I played a ton of around October, it was Halo because of Halloween. I kind of hate you for the name Halloween. (laughs) Oh, come on. With all your dad jokes and puns. I know. I know. I have no room to say that, but it's... (laughs) I heard that come out and I had to like mute myself so I could laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Good. You could have laughed at it. It would have been fine because we get the joke of it and we get that it's bad, but that's just what we did. We'd get together and we'd hand out candy, you know, to the kids that came. And if you were away from your controller and you got shot, tough shit. Yeah, I have only been to one Xbox LAN party where we played Halo all together. I want to say it was the OG Halo, but it might have been Halo 2. I can't quite remember. As much as I don't like first-person shooters or anything like that, I did enjoy that experience of, of getting to see what the LAN party scene was all like. And it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. I was terrible, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was basically me when I started. I was terrible, but this was fun. And it was always fun to like... It, we'll get there when we get to Halo, but we would be in separate rooms and then meet up in the hallways. All right, what are we playing now? You know, and then we go back to our rooms and do that kind of thing. And basically taking over a quarter of my parents' house. What about you? My spooky season game is probably a little more obscure than most people's. When I first started streaming, I got into Dead Space and I really enjoyed that for, I used to play them just in, you know, in October. They fit really well for that. They were very spooky, had some nice jump scares to them. They were they were good games for it, but they still wouldn't be my pick. My more, I guess, obscure pick was actually Fatal Frame. And yeah, I was going to say most people, you know, they've heard of these games, but they've never either played them or they don't really know what they're about. The Fatal Frame games are probably the only game that is more terrifying than pretty much any horror game I've ever played, whether that's Resident Evil, Dead Space, you name it. And I think it's because it is so realistic. It it seems like something that could actually happen. So zombies, I mean, I know a lot of people will argue that the zombie apocalypse will come eventually, and maybe that's true, but they're still a little ways off from from real life. The Dead Space thing, still a little ways off from from real life. But In Fatal Frame, you go to a haunted mansion and are trying to uncover the clues about the deaths of of specific people and what happened to certain folks. And it's real. You're, You're there armed with a camera and this place is just infested with these terrifying souls. I'll never forget there's one particular moment that actually made me run over to my console and turn it off immediately. I was walking through this hallway, you know, it's playing the eerie ambiance music as you're walking through. 
And all of a sudden, my little, there's a little icon that lets you know that there's a spirit nearby and it just lights up like crazy. And I'm like, oh, I don't see any spirits. You know, I'm looking through the camera, trying to find somebody. I can't see it. And all of a sudden, somebody comes pouring out from the ceiling and they're like facing backwards, right? They're looking away from me, but their head is flipped back looking at me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And that was it. I <laughs> cut the game off and I never touched it again. I was like, I'm like, I can't do it. I My heart is too weak for these things. Okay. I've never played those games, so I can't speak to them. But I do have a similar story, but it's more embarrassing on my end because there was zero jump scare at all. It was with Resident, or not Resident Evil, Silent Hill 2. Did you ever play that? So I've never played the second and I've dabbled in the first a little. So I, I, yeah, I don't know too much about those games. Okay. All you need to know is that it's a horror game, basically. And there's a point in the game where the tension has just been building. I walk into a room, there's like a TV on whatever. It's some apartment complex early in the game. And then I walk out and there's like a bunch of blood writing on the wall. And like an entity behind a grate, like a bad guy or something. I know that if I move, he's going to grab me because I have that luck. Like I was saying before, there's no way that I'm not going to receive a jump scare in this moment because I knew what was about to happen. So I, like you, I needed an adult. I turned off my PlayStation and I went and I sat in the living room with my family very (laughs) peacefully. They were wondering what the hell was wrong. And I'm just like, I just need to be around people for a little bit. okay? (laughs) Um, but no, I never went back to that game either because I was like, nope, this gets a nope from me. Yeah. A hard nope out of 10. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, that's basically what those games were. I'm glad I'm not the only person who hasn't or who has been too terrified to return to a game. The worst part about it is I own all three fatal frames and (laughs) (laughs) I was like, one of these days, maybe I'll grow the balls to be able to play this. And it's like, nope, still haven't gotten there yet. But occasionally during spooky season, I'll try and turn it on and brave it. And yeah, it just never works out. I just I can't do it. Something about being armed with only a camera is not enough for me. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to get possessed and die or something's going to come out of my screen and get me for real. The fact that you never beat the game you never went back to it and then bought the next two are, <laughs> is the most on-brand pt6 thing i have heard in a really long time i'm insane uh, i'm just gonna put it out there i'm insane i yeah i don't know maybe yeah. one day <laughs> we never doubted that you were insane okay just to clarify <laughs> we that's been known and established our listeners might not know that but dear god the ogs we do they're going to learn today. <laughs> <laughs> that they are. All right, Cody. Thank you so much, man, for being here. I don't think anybody is doing anything, but happy Halloween for, for when that time comes. Yes, to you as well, and especially to your little one. Yeah, for sure. We've got a nice little outfit set up for him, so I'm looking forward to it. Everybody will, will get pictures. I appreciate you uh, being here. Thanks for joining me on another episode. and one that was thematically appropriate for the time of the the season. Oh, I would say no problem, but this was a real pain to get through. So you're welcome. (laughs) Um, But no, honestly, um, this episode ended up being a lot more fun than I had anticipated going into it with absolutely zero technical difficulties at all. Yeah, not at all. We're complete professionals here. (laughs) Yep.
Thanks everybody for listening and supporting the podcast. We appreciate you all greatly. Continue to do so because it helps us drive what we do here and ensures that we we know that you guys are enjoying it. So make sure you get those listens in, subscribe and all that fun stuff. I nearly forgot again because I, like I said, professional here. If you want to answer the question, be sure to find us over on Twitter at Deep Base Podcast. Send us your spoopy game that you like to play during the season and let's talk about it. If you have played and shared in any experiences between Cody and I's Silent Hill or Fatal Frame, and more so if you've beaten them, let, let us know how we can do that because we can't. No, don't even do that. Just let us know what happens. That's all we need yeah, to Yeah, okay. Yeah, just tell us about it. We'll, we'll be good there. But yes, be sure to give us follows all across the board. Wherever you listen to us, make sure you subscribe. If you're feeling generous, give us, give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. And if you have a game that you want to hear from us, be sure to let us know. We'd love to add it to our list and talk about it. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.